From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. As the Morrison government begins its inquiry into press freedom, there is concern about the bipartisanship of the committee hearing it. At the centre is Andrew Hastie, facing his own issues over comments on China. Paul Bongiorno on the politics behind both. Testing one, can you hear yourself? Yes, I can. So I'm ready now, Elizabeth. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Um, Paul, I was hoping this morning that we might be able to start with Andrew Hastie. Tell me about him. Yes, Andrew Hastie. Well, he is by uh, his own uh, connaissance, as they say in the crime novels, a West Australian MP, and he's a conservative West Australian Liberal. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper. He is deeply religious. His father, in fact, was an evangelical missionary in China. He's an ex-SAS commander in Afghanistan. What we do know is he's an ally of Peter Dutton. He voted for Dutton against Morrison in the leadership uh, spill last year. And he's the chair of the very powerful Joint Select Committee on Intelligence and Security. This is a committee that gets to, behind closed doors, ask our spooks, our spies, serious questions that no one else is allowed to know the answers. He's also, and this should be remembered, he's smarting that he's not in the ministry and not in the cabinet. So Hastie is chairing a committee into press freedom, prompted by those AFP raids on a News Corp journalist and the ABC. There are hearings this week. What happened? I declare open this public hearing of the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security for its inquiry into the impact of the exercise of law enforcement and intelligence powers on the freedom of the press. It began its inquiry this week in the New South Wales Masonic Club in Castle Ray Street in Sydney. And now, of course, the Freemasons historically are famous for centuries for being a secret society. And this did tickle the funny bones of a few of the journalists who were assigned to it. Interesting to note that the Freemasons are no longer anywhere near as uh, secretive as they were. And many, of course, are hoping that this committee, which is basically there to safeguard (laughs) our national national secrets might take a leaf out of the Mason's book. And what happened at the hearings, in the two days of the hearings? In the two days of hearings, the Liberals on the committee, and this is another indication that the bipartisanship is eroding on this committee. The Liberal members of the committee mostly ran interference, especially against the media witnesses arguing for greater transparency and accountability. Veteran Liberal Erica Betts, a great ally, of course, of Tony Abbott's, He's been left languishing on the backbench by both Scott Morrison and Malcolm Turnbull. He questioned the ABC about breaking of the law. He he thought that the laws are there to be held and, and if they're broken, well, the journalists and organisations should face the consequences. He called the ABC's credibility into doubt for getting things wrong occasionally and needing to correct its reports. Well, the corporation's head of news, Gavin Morris, his answer to that was, well, um, that just shows that our protocols are working and if we get it wrong, we're not scared to say so. And what about other Liberals? Were there anyone else putting forward ideas other than Abetz? Well, another Liberal, uh, David Fawcett, questioned um, whether there should be shield laws for journalists when foreign powers use reporters as cover for espionage. He also made the point in the first day that while Australia has slipped down the Reporters Without Borders Index of Press Freedoms, uh, it's still above the United Kingdom and the United States. And he asked rhetorically on day one, so what's 
what's the problem here? I mean, if the touchstone of a free and democratic society is a free press, if it's all about accountability and transparency, then is it a defence to say, oh, yeah, we're bad, but we're not as bad as someone else? Hmm. And what did the inquiry hear from media companies? Well, we've got quite a different picture from the media companies. And I think it's important to note that normally the ABC, News Corp, the commercial television stations and other media outlets in our society, they're competitors. But this attack on uh, press freedom has brought them all together. So we saw the heads of Australia's major mainstream media uh, conglomerates and companies sitting at the table as one, giving their evidence. The head of News Corp, Michael Miller, he warned that Australia were at risk of losing their democratic freedoms. He said, quote, we may not be living in a police state, but we are living in an ever-increasing state of secrecy. Hugh Marks, who heads the growing media conglomerate Nine Entertainment, said Australia's laws were gagging the media. Um, Paul, is there concern over the tone of this inquiry into press freedom or the views of some of the members on it? Yes. In fact, the Senate, where the government doesn't have the numbers, has already set up a second broader inquiry into laws around whistleblowers and journalists, really because they don't trust this one. Rex Patrick from Centre Alliance, who supported Labor and the Greens in setting up this inquiry, said we don't want an inquiry that is under the control of the Morrison government. We don't want to put the fox in charge of the henhouse. We'll be right back. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, apart from this inquiry into press freedom, Andrew Hastie was also in the news last week for his freelancing comments on Australia's need to be more alert to the rise of China. What is it that he said exactly? Well, Hastie warned that Australia should be especially wary in dealing with China and that we shouldn't be as complacent as France was before it was overrun by Nazi Germany in World War II. In an opinion piece on the topic, he said Australia must be clear-eyed to preserve our sovereignty, security and democratic convictions. And that didn't escape the attention of Beijing. Well, it certainly didn't escape the attention of Beijing. It, it condemned him for having a Cold War mentality and made it clear that this belligerence, in Beijing's view, uh, wasn't accepted and certainly wasn't appreciated. But a few in camera within his own government also had a bit to say about it. Well, it's clear that the Prime Minister wasn't impressed. He said that, well, Hastie's a backbencher and he can say what he likes, but he said, and this is quite pointed, 
that he, the Prime Minister, is very well aware of the complexity of the world in which we live, and he says the government's fashioned our policies to address that. In other words, Morrison was saying there's nothing new here. On top of that, two WA senior ministers are believed to have acted on Morrison's orders to put Hastie back in his box. Matthias Cormann, the finance minister, described the Nazi analogy as clumsy and inappropriate. And Attorney-General Christian Porter said Hastie's views were a radical oversimplification. Porter says the government will rise to any efforts to diminish our sovereignty or influence our democracy as it has in the past. The other point to make that both these senior West Australian ministers are also close to West Australian business, especially people like Twiggy Forrest, who make billions of dollars exporting iron ore to China. And then there were Simon Birmingham's comments. Birmingham went on the ABC's Insiders last Sunday, and when senior ministers or any ministers make appearances on shows like that, they clear their lines they're going to run with the Prime Minister's office. Uh, I think that that gives added weight. I would uh, certainly encourage any colleague, uh, or indeed anybody, uh, making comments around sensitive foreign policy matters to pose a couple of questions before they do so to themselves. Is the making of those comments in a public way necessary? And is it helpful to Australia's national interest? Clearly, the executive of the Morrison government doesn't think so. What are the politics behind comments like this from Hasty? Well, look, uh, public comments like this have a lot to do with internal power dynamics. Now, Hasty is a close ally of Dutton's. Dutton, of all the senior ministers, was the one that offered the strongest defence of Hasty and the views he was making. I've spoken to Liberal colleagues of Hasty, and I've also spoken to people who work closely with Hasty on the Security Committee. They say that Hasty is disappointed that he's not in the ministry. He can't understand why he was overlooked by Morrison. Some see his piece as a shot across Morrison's bows, saying, well, if you leave me on the backbench, this is what I can and will do. One Liberal said to me, you know, I think the message from Mr Hastie is the only way to shut me up is to promote me to Cabinet or to the Ministry so that I then um, can't freelance. (laughs) (laughs) Or if I do freelance, I know I'm trying to bring a Prime Minister down, which in this case he's not trying to bring Morrison down, he's trying to bring himself up. And Paul, how has Hastie responded? Well, Hastie's not <laughs> he's not going to be quiet. Uh, he was unrepentant. On Wednesday, when journalists approached him outside the hearing room on the second day of his inquiry, he said, my voice is my pen. My voice is in my pen and uh, my op-ed stands and I don't resile from it. And um, we've got a great democracy. That's what democracies do. We debate. And so I welcome the contest of ideas. The interesting point about that is that here is um, Hastie defending the Australian democracy while he's hearing evidence in his own inquiry that Australia's democracy is under threat from his own government. I think his ears must be ringing. I wonder what, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what this inquiry comes up with given that potential for a contradiction. Indeed. In fact, the inquiry will be uh, in itself under intense scrutiny. People are saying already there will be a minority and minority report. The Liberals will go one way and Labor the other way, which is a further erosion of the influence of this committee. Paul, before we go, one other thing. George Brandis used his last speech in the Senate to warn about partisanship 
on national security and, you know, by extension, I imagine, for this formerly bipartisan committee. Well, indeed, the former Attorney General George Brandis, in his valedictory speech at the beginning of uh, last year in the Senate, praised the hasty committee for its bipartisanship. But in what was seen as a thinly veiled swipe at Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton, it's well known that Dutton and Brandis did not belong to a mutual admiration society, if I can put it that way. <laughs> in fact, uh, they were competitors and had a very different worldview. Well, Brandis said, I've heard some powerful voices argue that the coalition should open a political front against the Labor Party on the issue of domestic national security, and he used a double negative to make a point, I could not disagree more strongly. So his point was that such crude partisanship would rob the government of the public's confidence if it was seen to be merely playing politics on something as crucial as national security. Where do you think this government is on that? Well, I think this uh, government, and mainly due to the influence and the power of uh, Peter Dutton, who is basically a partisan warrior, that the government believes that it has more to gain politically by trying to isolate Labor and paint Labor as weak on national security at every possible moment. You only have to go back three or four weeks when a Dutton-inspired story in the Australian had test for Anthony Albanese or test for Elbow. And this was about a national security bill that, that we don't know what it's going to be. It hasn't even been put out there, but it's a test already for Albanese. So it's clear that George Brandis's warning, if you like, over a year ago has not been heeded and that the Morrison government and its Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton see more political advantage in playing hardball politics uh, rather than consensus politics on national security. Thank you, Paul. We'll chat to you next week. Thanks, Elizabeth. Look forward to it. Bye. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts, and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Elsewhere in the news, the Australian stock market has lost almost $60 billion in a day as fears of a global recession mount. The ASX 200 dropped 187.8 points, its worst performance since February last year as the yield on 10-year US Treasury bonds fell below the two-year yield for the first time since 2007. The yield on 30-year bonds fell below 2% for the first time ever. And as protests continue in Hong Kong, the Chinese military has released satellite images that show forces massing in the Chinese city of Shenzhen, across from Hong Kong. The East Command of the Chinese military said, quote, 
It takes 10 minutes to reach Hong Kong from the Chunjian Stadium near the Bay of Shenzhen, and it is 56 kilometres from the Hong Kong airport. Thousands of pro-democracy protesters occupied the airport on Monday and Tuesday, halting flights in and out of Hong Kong. 7am is produced by Emile Klein, Ruby Schwartz and Atticus Basto with Michelle Macklem. Eric Jensen is our editor. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. Please consider subscribing to the show through your favourite podcast app or leave us a review if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps new people find the show and that helps us. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Kulas. See you next week.